0: And uh, you know what? I may actually I may actually get through tonight. I don't have 15 pages, but who knows? Uh, but we've got lots of time. We've got about 50 minutes looking at the clock, so we're getting a little bit of a, a jump on it. Here's what we're going to do. So I was looking at this. We were going to do Revelation 4 and 5 and walk through. But we've really walked through chapter 4. We have really broken down... And looked at all the elements of chapter 4. You can go back and read that. Again, that's that look into the throne room as we see there. But we're, so we're going to pick up right there in chapter 5. We're going to start right there and just work through the chapter uh, verse by verse and looking at some things in there. And, and like I said, maybe we'll get through with chapter 5 tonight. And, uh, and, uh, and we'll go right into chapter 6 next week as we work through this timeline now. So here in chapter 5, verse 1, it says... And I saw. It's interesting. The phrasing that John uses a lot is, I, and, and you should notice those things as you read. And, and I don't know how many of you do this, but like when we're reading, when we're when I'm studying, preparing to preach something, I'll read through it multiple times. I'll read through it multiple times. And what you start to do is you do that. You start picking up on phrases that are used over and over again, or or or, or whatever like that. And you just see some things. So it's interesting. That he, that he uses that quite a bit, that kind of phrase. He says, and I saw, and I looked, and I saw, and I looked. So we're going to see that as we go through this with John. But he says, and I saw. So here, here in verse 1, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Now, this particular scroll is Christ's title deed to creation. And a Roman uh, will, a Roman will, so this is a title deed, it's a, it's, a, it's a will, if you will, in a sense, but a Roman will was sealed with seven seals, and this scroll is the will or the testament giving Christ the right to claim creation by virtue of his sacrifice, and we see that in verse 9. Um, a will could be opened only by the air, okay? And uh, Christ is the heir of all things. That's what Hebrews chapter one verse two says. Has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds. So we see here this scroll that's written is sealed seven times. And uh, another fact, the fact that the scroll is written on both sides shows that nothing more can be added to it. The destiny of this sinful world is already determined. Okay, so there's nothing's going to change. It's done. It's fixed. And it's a matter of the Lord opening those seals and opening up those scrolls. And as he does that, then these things are going to come to pass. But it's written on the front and the back. It's already written what's going to take place. It's already written. Now, uh, one of the things, when you think about seven seals, uh, there's a different way of looking at this because the, the, the Hebrews would have rolled up sometimes, they would roll up scrolls, and they would roll it up partially, and they would seal it. They'd seal it on an end. And then they'd roll it up a little more, and they'd seal it. And they'd roll it up some more, and they'd seal it. So. What happens is just as we're going to see with each seal, when each seal is broken, a little more is revealed. A little more is revealed. So it's not like each seal is broken and it's we're getting closer to opening and revealing something. There is a revelation. There's something that happens with the breaking of each seal, and it, as it so you, you 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 can almost picture it. I wish i had done a picture of this, but I saw a picture of one that's rolled up. And it was like that the, was smaller on one end and got larger as it went down. So as you break the seal, and some of that would have unrolled, and then some more. More would have unrolled more. Would have unrolled. But think of it that way when you see this. So this book, this this scroll. It's it was it, some would call it a book. Some translations may even say book, but it's, it's it's a scroll. It didn't have books bound the way we have today. So it's a scroll that would have rolled out, and it was written front and back. It was covered. So everything that's been written, everything that was going to be written, it's final. Judgment is already set. The destiny of this sinful world has already been determined, and that's and that's what we're looking at. Um. One of the things that you can think about is to, when, you, when, you, when you look at this scene and helping you to understand it, you need to consider the Hebrew system of owning land and even property of people. So if a man became poor and he had to sell his land or even himself, and, that's, and that was the case, sometimes that happened. You would have sold yourself into indentured service. You would, have been a, you would have been a bond slave. You would have been a slave in essence, but you could buy yourself back or someone could come and buy you back. So if a, if a man became poor and he had to sell his land or himself, he could, he could be redeemed by a kinsman. And if you've read the story of Ruth, that that story of Ruth is based on this law. And so if you want to write down something you're interested in reading about that, you can write down Jeremiah 32, uh, verses 6 through 15. You can write down Leviticus chapter 25, verses 23 through 25, kind of deal with that. And, And the thing with this story of the Redeemer, someone, a kinsman who would buy you back, the Redeemer had to be a near relative who was willing and able to purchase the property and set the kinsman free. Okay? So it had to be someone who, could, who was close, someone who could, who had the ability to do that. All of, cre- been cre- uh, uh, all of cre- creation has been under the bondage of sin and bondage to sin and to Satan and to death. But now Christ, who is our kinsman redeemer, he's going to set creation free. He's going to redeem Creation. He's going to redeem man, and so that's the story that we're looking at now. That's what's happening is the scroll is going to be opened up. Verse two. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. As I began to study that, I was looking at a strong angel. I thought there must be something significant to that, and it really the just strong meant that it was a. It it, it it may have been. I don't know if the angels look different, and one looks like he man, and another looks like me, but that, that it may be. But it was more to do with the the proclamation. It was strong in the sense that he, he projected out. He spoke this very loudly. So he proclaimed with this loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So no one was worthy. No one was able to open it. And John says, so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Now, remember, John's been called up there. And John said, come. And, and I'm going to." Sh- the Lord said, come up here. Come up here. And I'm going to show you things that are to come. John wanted to see the things that were to come. John wanted to see the kingdom established. There's things John wanted to see. And he understood this is what's going on. He wanted to know, I think we would be the same way. John, he wept. He wept, not just wept, he wept much. I mean, think of the most disheartening, heartbreaking thing that's ever happened. I think you could compare that to this. The, the anticipation of that scroll and wanting to see what's in it and see what God's going to do. And there's nobody to open it. And he's just broken and he weeps because no one was found to open the scroll and to look at it. Verse 5, but one of the elders said to him, now I read one commentary said an elder got up off of his throne. One of the 24 elders got up and walked over to John and wiped away a tear and spoke to him. I don't read that in the scriptures. You can read that, you know, you can, you can picture that. how You can read it in color. That could very well be the case. But one of the elders certainly said to John, he said, do not weep. John, don't weep. Stop. Stop crying. Dry it up, John. Behold, he says, Behold, the Lamb of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now, and the next word says, And I looked. Before he says, And I saw. Now he says, And I looked. So maybe John at that point, he's maybe, I don't know, he might have collapsed on the floor for all we know in tears. He's just heartbroken at this. But his head may be down. He's weeping. Oh, I can't believe it. We're not going to see. I don't know what. Man, this is terrible. And the, and, and the, and the, and the elder says, stop weeping. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And an amazing thing happens right here. So he says the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he said, and I looked. And behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, he looks for a lion, but he sees a lamb. And we're going to talk about that, but it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know what happened here. And I, I don't, I've not read anything where anybody addresses this. Patrick, maybe you have. Um, somebody else may have. You've got insight. I'd love to hear it. But it's interesting, either the Lord was not present in that throne room view before or he was there and John missed him. And I don't know how John would have missed the Lord in the midst of that. I just don't know. But it could be that the Lord allowed him to see what he wanted him to see when he wanted him to see it. I don't know. Maybe the Lord had not been there. Maybe the Lord was out taking care of business. I don't know what he was doing, but all of a sudden now he's there. When John looks, he'd not see, and it wasn't that he was over at the side. Let's let's imagine this is the throne room, and in the midst is the Father. Here's the Lord is right there, and he's in the midst of these four creatures, these living creatures. He's in the midst of the the 24 thrones, the elders around. He's right in the middle of that, he's not hiding. He's not been hiding. It, it, it's, it's one of those things that you read and I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. Maybe it was progressive revelation and what God allowed him to see. But when he said, and he looked and he saw, here's another, another reason that as you read Revelation, we have to understand there's so much symbology in here, okay? Now when John looked, said, he said, uh, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Now, I don't believe that what he saw was a lamb that had been slain. Now, slain, we'll talk about that in a minute. It means his throat had been slit. Okay? I don't believe that's, I don't believe that's what he saw. But God gave him, the Holy Spirit of God inspired him to write. But he writes, he's speaking the language of the scriptures, right? Lion of Judah, lion, uh, the, the lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. So when he writes this, it, it's, it's interesting that, that, like I said, he wasn't looking for you know, Aslan, a lion. He wasn't, and when he turned around, he, I don't believe he saw a physical baby lamb or a younger lamb or, or any of that. I don't think he saw a hairy, woolly, four-legged creature. He saw Jesus in all his glory. But the writing, he tells us, and there's a reason for that. He saw us. He stood stood a lamb as though it had been slain. And so John looked for a lion, but he saw a lamb. And in the two names, lion and lamb, we have the twofold emphasis of the Old Testament prophecies. As a lion, Christ conquers and reigns. As a lamb, he dies for the sin of the world. Okay, so he is the lion of Judah. He is the Lamb of God. And we can't separate the suffering from the glory, the crown from the cross. We can't separate those. And it's worthy to note that Christ is called the Lamb. Listen to this. This is interesting as well. He's called the Lamb 28 times in Revelation. 28 times. Um, You could take the Scriptures and you can walk through the Scriptures on the theme of the Lamb. So you go back to Isaac. You go back to Isaac, right? Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac said, what was the question he asked the father? He asked his father. Where's the, where's the, where's the offering? Where's the lamb? And that's what he basically said, where's the lamb? Genesis 22, 2. Uh, Isaac asked, where's the lamb? John the Baptist answered kind of and said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world in John 1, 29. And then here, John, now he's writing, worthy is the lamb. And so it's just you can trace the Lamb of God, this theme, this summarizing and tracing the theme of the Lamb all through Scriptures. The Lord Jesus is referred to directly as the Lamb uh, only twice in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, 7 and Jeremiah eleven nineteen. 19. In those two verses, He's referred to as the Lamb. Only twice is Jesus referred to as the Lamb in the Gospels in John 1, 29 and verse 36. Only twice in the book, of, I'm sorry, only once in the book of Acts is he, is he referenced as the Lamb. And that's in Acts chapter 8, verse 32. And then only one time in the epistles, and that's 1 Peter 1.19. So those, those two, four, five, six times in the scriptures there, he's, he's called the Lamb. But yet he is referred to as the Lamb 28 times throughout the book of Revelation. Now, the word slain, when it says that he, he, he stood and he saw a lamb as though it had been slain, as though it had been slain. Uh, the word slain literally means cut in the throat for a sacrifice, okay? So we know what Jesus did. So Christ was not merely killed. He was offered as a sacrifice, a sacrifice to cover our sin, to pay for the sin of, of, of all mankind. He, he made that sacrifice. And so when John sees him, I don't know what John saw. I don't know how he saw. But the Holy Spirit of God told him that's the lamb. He understood the lamb, the lamb. That's the lamb of God. And he would have seen the markings of of that, the scars that are still in his body, uh, his glorified body. So his death and resurrection are proof that he is worthy to be the heir of creation, worthy to take the books and open the seals. So when Christ takes the book, the elders who are representing, you know, the glorified church. We've already talked about that, that, that somehow some representation of that, those elders, is of the church that has been raptured out and is there now with, with them. Uh, the, the elders sing his praises and magnify his death for the redemption of the lost creation. And that's, that's what they're doing there. That's what they're singing. They're singing to him. Heaven sings about the cross singing about what Jesus did. And so the vials of incense typically uh, typify the prayers of God's people. And so when we see that, we're going to see that in just a little bit. There's the, the, the vials of the prayers of God's people. And that, that typifies that, the prayers of people. We see these vials, and you can see it in Psalm 141, verse 2, if you want to look at that, Luke 110. Um, and this doesn't mean, folks, that Christians on earth uh, can, can access believers now in heaven. It's not what that means, that the vials are there, the prayers are lifted up to them, and they can hear us. We can talk to them, and they hear us. Uh, what it is is symbolic reminder that God remembers the prayers of his people. Thy kingdom come. The prayers that we pray, it's an interesting thought. You know, when you think, well, what, what good is prayer? How, how important is prayer, Fred? How important is it? It's very important. But it's not a, it's, I mean, it's, it's an important exercise, folks. It's something, it's something we, should, we should do a lot. And it's interesting now to, to recognize and to realize that later on those prayers are there. They're not, we're not just praying into empty air. They're, 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 they're going and they're being stored, recorded somehow, and they're going to be in those vials. They're going to be there, the prayers that we lift up. So prayer is important, and, it's, and, and it makes me think, man, the people who are prayer warriors, what they have in heaven. What, I mean, you're sowing into heaven. You're sowing into what's going on right here in this scene. Verse 7. Then he came, the Lord, he came. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And suppose the question had been asked of him, what is the basis of your claim to the title deed of earth? And he could have easily replied three ways. He could have said that the world is mine by right of creation because I made it. He could have said that the world is mine by right of Calvary, for I redeemed it and bought it with my blood. And he could have said that it is mine by right of conquest, for since the only language the unregenerate heart of man understands is the language of power, I'm going back to claim that world in war. And it's his. It's his. And he's coming back to reclaim it. But there's three things he could have answered there. So the world is his, and, and, and his rights are not questioned at all. No one, on, and no one there in heaven, no one on earth, no one under the earth, was worthy to open to take that scroll and to open it. But the the Lord was. He went. He was the only one who could go. And so he steps into the spotlight and and, and, uh, his right is instantly owned. He understands it. He understands his right. He takes that. He takes the scroll. Verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And we already mentioned this a little bit. But if you thought about, think of this right here. Um, Jump to, all right, so verse 8. And when they had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, get this, you got to picture this, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, all of those, wasn't that the the creatures did something else. They're included here. The four living creatures and the the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb. They had a harp and they had bowls, these golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That incense is the smell that when the Lord smells those prayers, it's a a beautiful smell. It's a fragrant smell. Look at verse 9. And they sang a new song. And they sang a new song. Now, I'm going to hit that again in a minute, but I want you to begin to think about that. Because what that's saying is, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they all fell down. They, they're worshiping with the harps. They're lifting up the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. We're going to, we'll get to that in a minute. But I want you to look at what John Phillips says about the four living creatures. He says, four is the number of the earth. So we have here God's covenant with creation. Uh, and he says, read Genesis 9, 8 through 13. Now I'm going to read 9 through 11 of Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 9. Verse 9 through 11 says, And as for me, behold, I established my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you. Of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. The Lord made a covenant with us. But the Lord made a covenant there in Genesis with every living creature, the birds, the cattle, and every beast. There's four things there. Man, the birds, the cattle, and the beast. John says, John, John, uh, John Phillips says... Um, So he made a covenant with the creation. So we read Genesis 9 through 11. And you will see that God has made his covenant with mankind, fowls, cattle, and the wild beast. And each of these is represented by a face on the living creatures. God gave man dominion over creation, but his rule was lost through sin. However, in Christ, that dominion will be regained when the kingdom is established. The presence of the four creatures symbolizing creation before God's throne teaches us that he is in control of creation and that he will keep his promise to one day deliver creation from the bondage of sin. It's an interesting interesting thought on the four creatures. Patrick and I talk a fair amount about this. He's studying through it and And uh, so I think at one point we were actually talking about what are the four creatures, you know, what are they? And there's, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, the different view from old Testament prophecy, you know, the things that were written about them, that view that they had. And there's some conflicting view of that, but it's not conflicting in the details. It was the same four faces. The uh, one says it was each one had a face of these things or looked like these things. The other said all four had the face of each one. And, and so it's, it's, They had a different perspective. It was a different revelation or whatever. But it's interesting here that these these living creatures that are there represent, according to Phillips, I don't know, they represent creation and all of God's creation. The animals that are under, they're under the judgment of sin as well. They're under the curse. And they're going to, the covenant he made with them and with us back in Genesis 9, he's going to fulfill that. He's going to fill that covenant. So verse eight, then, we, we, uh, verse eight again, and having a harp and a golden bowl is full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And again, I want to read what Philip says about this. He says, "These mighty creatures take the feeble prayers of God's people on earth and pour them out as a sweet fragrance before God. The worship of glory is now lifted an, an octave higher. In chapter four, the theme was, "Thou art worthy, for thou hast created." The theme here is, "Thou art worthy." For thou wast slain. Oh, the wonder of it all, that, that heaven's beloved should beggar himself, should be born in a barn, should be commonly called the carpenter's son, should journey through life as a homeless stranger in the very world his hands had made, should suffer unspeakable indignities and barbarities at the hands of his cre- uh, creatures, should be butchered on a cursed cross, and above all should be made sin. These are wonders that we will never cease to draw out the awe and worship of those at the very focal center of things in glory. That is what we we will glory in that. We will sing of that. We will worship the Lord for that. We will proclaim that for all of eternity. Amen? What he did. The wonder of what God did for us because of his great love. What Jesus did in obedience to the will of the Father to come. Those things that he did. We will worship him forever because of these things. Amen? That'll be great, won't it? How about we get started now? Right? I mean, sometimes I tell you, sometimes I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm trying to help us. Because Sunday mornings sometimes, and some of you come in fired up, but Sunday mornings at 10.15, and again, we start at 10.15. It's 10.15, not 10.20 or 10.25 or 10.40. We start at 10.15, and when we come together, man, there ought to be an excitement about being here. We are corporately worshiping our Savior who did this for us. There shouldn't be, I've said this a few times now, we shouldn't have to prime the pump. And there's some Sundays we sing the first song, and by the end of the first song, I think, uh, we ought to sing it again. Because I I think maybe now we woke up. We ought to come in here ready to worship. Amen? Amen? And it shouldn't be about anybody else. Listen, nobody else may like your voice. But guess who does? The Lord likes your voice. He said, make a joyful noise. I don't think that was accidental, him saying that, okay? Uh, you know, who knows? God, God, God may no, God wouldn't say that because he, he created all our voices. But what we think is so beautiful may not be. I mean, the Lord paves the roads in heaven with what we think is so beautiful. It's just road paving, gold in heaven. Your voice as scruffy and rough. You can't carry a tune in a bucket. You know what? It's joyful. It should be joyful. And you sing it out in worship of, of your Savior. I don't even want to say our Savior. He is my Savior, but He's your Savior. And so when we start singing on Sunday morning, or even on Wednesday night, sing out, worship, praise God. Let's worship now. If we're going to do this for all of eternity, we got to get good at it now. All right? Start, start really working on that. That right there ought to thrill our hearts when we think about what the Lord did for us. Verse 9, and and so here we come again. Verse 9, and they sang a new song. Now, they, and they sang a new song. That's plural, okay? So it it didn't say the elders sang a new song. It didn't say the creatures sang a new song. It says they. Verse 8 is talking about the creatures, the living creatures, the four living creatures, and the 24 elders. They sing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Now, I find that that's one of those as I read that, and again, I was talking with Patrick. We were, we were discussing this. I said, this one gets me because we look at the four living creatures. Now, what they're singing there, they're singing praise to God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has redeemed them, right? That's the song of the redeemed. It's what they're singing there. But the four living creatures are singing this as well. That's why I go back, and I think the observation that John Phillips makes it carries a lot of... maybe he's hit on something there. That these creatures are representative of all of God's creation. His created beings who he has covenanted with and promised that they will be redeemed. They're going to be redeemed. Now, it's not the same redemption we have, but there's a redemption there. And so all of creation is singing. Now, so I was curious about this. so I looked at other translations. So the New American Standard says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for, uh, for God with your blood men. You purchased uh, for God with your blood men. That's what you did. You were slain and you purchased men, okay, for, for, from every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made them, them, not have made us to be a kingdom and priest to our God and, and they will reign uh, upon the earth, the ESV says uh, it changes it to "You ransomed people, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and uh, language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests." Now, if if the four living creatures are just cherubim, if they're if they're if they're just created beings to fly around and worship the Lord in that way. They can't sing the song of the redeemed. Do you get where I'm going with this? So it's a, it's a, to, to me it's a, it's one of those verses I read and it create. I'm like that's why I told Patrick, that's why I didn't want to teach this because there's so many different things and it's a, so you look at it and when you look at the words there for redeemed us it's a it's a a plural but it's a what do you say a possessive. Plural, I guess. It's us. It's me. It's we. It's us, we. Um, it's not them and they. So the, the word, to me, the, to, the word I, with the ESV and the New American Standard doesn't seem right with what the Greek word says. It doesn't say the like plural third person or whatever. It doesn't say they. Now, the creatures could sing it that way, and that would make sense if they're just a created thing. But there's some significance to the fact that they're singing... You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and have made us kings and priests to our God. That's not just the elders singing that. That's those four living creatures singing that as well. Interesting thing. That might be something you want to make note of, and You may go, I want to go study that out a little more. It's very fascinating. Verse 11. Then I looked... Here he is again. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. So it's like every time he looks, there's, he sees something more. It's, there's more. There's more there. So and he looked and he heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures. So now there's the many angels, the living creatures, the elders. And he said the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, which is 100 million. And thousands of thousands. So if you got thousands at the minimum, you've got 2,000 to make not 1,000, but thousands. At the minimum, 2,000 by 2,000. That's the minimum. So you're talking about 104 million that are represented right here. I wouldn't get too caught up with the numbers. Uh, the Holy Spirit could absolutely have told John exactly how many were there. But uh, for him to say there were thousands of thousands, ten thousands times 10,000 there, That's you got an idea there's a whole lot of... Of angels and a whole lot of redeemed there, um, verse twelve, saying with a loud voice. Now this is everybody. Okay, there's a difference because from what they were just saying in verse nine and ten, who was saying that? And then we see in verse eleven and twelve, now he sees the angels whether they've just come up or, again, if they've just been revealed to him because he hasn't mentioned the angels before. Now he mentions all of these angels. This huge multitude is there saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And do you start singing when you hear that? How many of you start singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Every time I read that, I start singing that. Um, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now I love the way the scriptures record that uh, and the way it's written. It doesn't say uh, to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. The the ands there. I believe the phrase it's called a poly I think that's the word. Miss Jessie Harrelson was here. She could tell me. But it's it's it's. It makes emphasis then that it's not, you're not just glumping it all together. It's not just, it's not just a comma and glumping it all together, piling it all together. You say, they're saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. All of that, man, it's the emphasis on this. Now, um, verse twelve says at the start again, it says, "saying with a loud voice." You notice the, the wording there. Saying with a loud verse, uh, saying with a loud voice. And this is something else I, I came across. I read, and I, I just find it fascinating. Uh, so here's something else for you to go study. All right, the elders sing, but the angelic creatures say with a loud voice. The next thing, gonna, you're going you're gonna to push back. You're going to instantly go, no. All right, there's no evidence in the Bible that angels sing. Now, what's the first thing you think about? Choir of angels, Choir of angels right? Go back and read it. It does not say they sang. They, they, they said, glory to God, they said. doesn't say that they sang. In fact, you can I've researched it the last couple of days trying to find, I can't find anywhere I'll say it this way, I cannot find definitively anywhere where angels sing. So Job 28:7 states that at creation, all the sons of God, angels, angels, shouted for joy, shouted for joy. The Christmas angels in Luke 2:13 and 14 praised God by saying, not singing. The multitudes of angels in heaven joined their voices in a great shout of praise when the Lamb took the scroll, but they did not sing. Singing, and here's, what, here's the thinking behind this. Singing is a privilege reserved for the saints of God who have experienced the joy of salvation. There are many things angels can do that saints can't, but an angel cannot experience salvation Nor can he sing with the saints the praises of the Lamb. Cannot sing praise to their Redeemer because he is not their Redeemer. Now, I I, I encourage you. I'd love for you to go find proof because I don't know that I... I I'm I'm leaning more to... I think I'm in agreement with that based on what I've read, but I'm I'm not dogmatic about that, and I don't know that it makes a difference, but it's interesting to note what we see in scripture, and I'm not going to say, oh, absolutely angels sing, when evidence that I'm seeing right now, I don't see angels singing. Now maybe they're doing, doing what, they call, what they call that today, uh, word, like rap, yeah, word stuff. They just do word. They're, they're, I mean, there's some songs out there they don't ever sing, so it's just talk. Uh, maybe that's what it was. I don't know, what do they call that? Poetry, poetry. Okay. Um, but it doesn't stop there with the multitude. All right, so we've seen progression where the creatures and the elders, they're singing, they're, they're bowing down, they're worshiping the Lord in song. They're singing that song uh, uh, of the redeemed there. And then we have the angels join in, and they're, and they're I don't know, I mean, you think when they're joining in, and they're singing, they would join in, and it's like all of a sudden now the song started one way, and the choir behind them jumps in, and, and it's, they're singing, I don't know. I, I, that's what I see and hear in my head. But I can't prove that. Uh, but I don't guess I can disprove it either. But it's going to build. That's not the end of it. Look, look here in verse 13. It extends out now to every creature. Verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and the lamb forever and ever. Now, I got, I got tripped up right here because I'm looking at this and I'm going, all right, the timeline on this doesn't make sense. Now, track with me. I understand that every knee will bow, all right, so this verse right here, chapter 5, verse 13, a lot of commentators tie this in with Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, okay? Therefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow to them in heaven, to, to those in, and of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? We understand that. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. I just don't put that timeline of that happening. I put that at the judgment. That's where I see that. I see that where where when the judgment comes... Whether you were born again on earth or not, those who, you, you know, it's the old saying, you can confess him now as Savior, or you'll confess him then as, you'll confess him as God, but it's not going to be for salvation if you wait till, till then. It's too late. But every knee will bow to God Almighty. Every tongue will confess. And I put that at the end. So there's several commentaries I read that place that here. That's what they're saying and it's, I'm struggling with that. As I'm reading that, I said, it does not fit in the timeline, but go back and read verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven, the mistake I made was I took that because they're speaking, because of what they're saying, that it was speaking of every person. It's not. The word there for creature could be people, but it can be the creation, the, crea- the creation again, the creatures. So, um, Again, when we go back and we look at the covenant that was made, what the promise, the covenant the Lord made with creation, with the creatures, His creatures, every creature which is in heaven at this point, every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are uh, and all that are in them, they're going to say blessing and honor and glory and power. Be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Now, one commentator said, don't be shocked, which we won't be here, but don't be shocked when animals start talking. I I don't know about you. I believe animals talk. I believe uh, not all of them. I don't think they maybe, maybe they didn't all talk, but I think there were animals that could talk. Our Yorkie tries hard. He tries hard, but he's dumb as a brick, so he can't learn our language. Well, that's what I've said before. Why, how in the world do you have a serpent, a snake, come up and sit by Eve in the garden and start talking to her? And her, Does that not shock you, you know, that Eve goes up, that he slithers up and starts talking, hey, hey, you? And she's like, yeah, what? She's not like, eh, and running. I mean, I don't know. I think that, I, I'm with C.S. Lewis. I think the animals, I think some of them talked, if, if not a lot of them, I don't know. But we know this. We know that creation exists for God's glory. Amen? We know God, that creation exists for God's glory. We know that the animals exist for God's glory. Amen? They, they do. The animals reflect the glory of God, and they, and they exist to proclaim, proclaim His great worth. So all creation praises the skill and worth of its maker. Now, they may not speak English. You know, lizards may speak lizard. They're going to speak whatever... They speak, but all creation is going to say this and join in to this. So at this point, at the end here, coming near the end of chapter five, at this point, all of heaven is worshiping. And all of creation, the creatures, lost man is down here and got a clue in the world what's going on in heaven. And they're clueless to what's going on right here. But the creation is singing praises to him. Imagine all the animals in the world and uh, that's what John says here, every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and and such as are in the sea. all the birds, the fish, the cattle on a thousand hills, the bears, the lions, the whales, dogs and cats, mosquitoes, the eagles, the gnats, and all the animals whose names we don't know, all of them giving, uh, giving blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Now, you may think that's far-fetched and crazy. So I'm a little crazy. I, I, tend, to, I tend to believe that that the animals are going to praise God. They're going to praise God. Okay. All right, another thought here. So, as I said, some of of the other commentaries, some folks have have taken more of an approach of all of creation, including all of the people that are on earth are going to, at that point, praise God. It makes no sense in the timeline. I mean, as I'm reading the things they're writing and different people's take, it just does not fit at that point. Really, that would be really post-tribulation. I mean, post-rapture right there at the beginning of... right at the beginning of tribulation. So if there's some period of time between the rapture, because we see here the saints that are there, uh, and the start of the... because the seal hasn't been broken until verse uh, chapter 6. when that first seal is broken... So there's some period of time there. We don't know what that is. But this doesn't fit to me that that point on earth when the whole, all of Christians have been raptured away, that all of the creation, man all down here, lost man, is praising God and acknowledging him as a savior. It doesn't, it just, that doesn't fit. Are y'all with me? Does that make sense? Have I made that clear, what I'm trying to communicate there? Y'all don't know what I'm trying to communicate there, so you don't know if that's clear or not, do you? I hope I got that. Um, But we think about this. God is placing in the the hands of man the decision as to whether or not they will accept Christ as Savior. When the Holy Spirit of God speaks to a a man and, and and convicts them of their sin, man has a choice. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Man has a choice. We have a free will. And when the Holy Spirit of God speaks, they have a choice then. Either I will respond and I will repent, and I will come to faith in Christ. I will receive. I won't work. It's not a works. Faith is not a work, but they will come to faith in Christ. Or they will reject that, and they will reject that. And uh, so they have that choice of whether, whether or not they will accept Jesus Christ as Savior. But the decision as to whether or not they will acknowledge Him as Lord is not theirs to decide. And that goes back to the Philippians 2, 9 through 11, that at some point... Uh, at some point, and I do believe it's there at the judgment. I believe it'll be before they're finally cast into the lake of fire. I believe there will be a, that every person that comes before the throne will bow down and acknowledge. They will bow to the Lord. They will bow the knee and they will confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every single person. Now, imagine this, because I do not, I do believe, as, as with us as believers, we will have memory in, in heaven. We may have perfect memory. In perfect memory, in the sense that we may not remember the sinful stuff, then it's not heaven. But we, we're gonna—I'm gonna know who Brent is, and and I believe that I will know who Brent is. He'll know me. Uh, some of you will do this when you get there. And, um, don't don't, don't want to see him. Um, to me, that is. But. Uh, So I believe that we're going to remember things. I believe we're going to remember the spiritual things, all those spiritual things. I think we're going to be able to clearly see and understand the the Lord's work in our life. I think it won't be a mystery then of of what he was doing. We'll be able to see how he was working. I think we'll have that kind of knowledge. Maybe not, but I think that. The flip side of that coin is those who who reject Christ in this life, they die in their sin and they're going to go to hell. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. They're going to be in in, in, this lie of, well, man, that's where all my buddies are, be a party. There ain't going to be no party. It's not going to be a party. It is going to be the, the worst experience of isolation and torment ever. And I believe it will be physical torment. But I think the mental torment may be even worse. Because imagine imagine knowing that you could have been born again. And knowing that you rejected the gift that was offered for all of eternity. And the other separation is this. Not a single person on the face of the earth has ever been out of the presence of God. We're in His presence. We will not be, those who, who go to hell will not be in God's presence It'll be the, I think that'll be the greatest horror ever, is that right there. All right, verse 14, and we are, we're going to be wrapped up. Verse 14, then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. So Christ is about to open the sealed book and release judgment on the world And so keep in mind the dual purpose of the tribulation, okay? As we begin the tribulation, looking at that next week, uh, number one is to punish the nations for their sins, especially the way they've treated Israel. And number two, to purge Israel and prepare a believing remnant to receive Christ when He comes in glory. So that's the purpose of tribulation. Now, I I want you to read. I challenge you to read uh, as we go through this. Read ahead. Study ahead. If you find the church... In, in these passages uh, we won't see the church again until 20, chapter 21 or 22 we'll see the church if you see the church on earth again please point it out to me because if that's the case then the rapture hasn't happened and that's key to, to what we're looking at in here um, okay that's it questions, comments questions, is, is that the marriage supper? where I, well, I think the ma- it may be the marriage supper is going to be, and it may go on for seven years. I believe that that's not going to be a. I think the full seven-year tribulation that that's when the, when we're raptured up, we're there. The marriage supper of the Lamb. That's that's going on then. The bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. So, at some po- some point in that seven-year period, yeah, I, I believe that. Thomas. Yep. God's so Every statement was about seven, seven, seven. That's God. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Yep. And the horns are power there. The the horns are power. Uh, the seven spirits, that's the Holy Spirit of God that, that was spin out. And so the, the Spirit of God is not divided up into seven, but it's the, the perfection. That is speaking of the Holy Spirit of God there. The seven horns though are speaking of, of, his, of his power. Might you have a question? So we are the bride of Christ. So the church, when you talk about the church, uh, when we say church, a lot of times we think of the building mm-hmm. or Catholics would say the church is the Catholic church. And you only go to heaven if you're part of the Catholic church. You're, you're part of the church. Uh, the church are those who are truly born again. And the church is the bride of Christ. We are we are his bride and so so there will be the bride will be presented and there will be a marriage between Jesus Christ and his bride. There will be a marriage. So so the yeah, the son. There's gonna be a marriage and then there's the the, the 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 feast and the party that comes with that. Where is it, is that in the or is that just the theory? I it's there's it's not yeah there's any, is that just like a reference? Uh, there's some scripture I can give you on that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a good question, then. I'll get you some information on that. <laughs> Somebody else? Any other questions? Yep. I, you know, I, I don't know that I don't know that you could I don't know that you can be definitive. I don't know that I could be definitive and dogmatic about whether there's animals in heaven. But I know this: you see some horses. We're going the Lord's gonna come back on a horse, and I mean there's some horse, there's some stallions, and all the horse people in Geneva said, "Amen." Uh, <laughs> but 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 I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think back on that. I got a dog. We had a dog named Pooch, and Pooch was a big old red mutt. That's what he was. He was just a big old hound dog. And that dog, got, I was just a kid, a little thing. I watched him. He got run over. I watched him flip under the car. And I think, I wonder if old pooch will be in heaven for me. I don't know. But I, I don't know why, why it couldn't be. I don't know why that, that couldn't be. I, I, there's nothing that says it couldn't be. Now, some of you beach-loving, sun-loving people are going to be disappointed because there's going to be no, the new earth has no beach. There's no no sea. So, I, there's some heathens out there. Go, I ain't going then. A glass. <laughs> not on the new earth. I, not there is in heaven. Wow. I I don't see it there. I mean, it's said in the new, yeah. We have to look at that. I'm 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 in. Listen, y'all want to bring me anything and go. Hey, look at this. I'm I'm all for it because I'm learning as you are. Uh, I'm finding it fascinating and. Like just in this chapter, I found stuff that as you read it and you look, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. how did That doesn't fit right here. That does not fit here. So you, you got to look and you got to read and do some more research. And Phillips, I think Phillips maybe has nailed that with the creatures singing right there. It's not the people that are down here that are lost. It's the actual creatures. It's the beast. It's the, the animals. Cool. The scripture of the hymn. <laughs> yeah, go back and read that. Go back. You know, I'm telling you, you'll never read that again the same. When you read it every time now, you're going to go, whoa, they didn't sing. It doesn't say they sang. Uh, they were doing word rap or something. I don't know. But uh, All right. Well, let's pray and we'll get y'all out of here before the storm hits. It looks like there's lightning and stuff on the way, okay? Father, we love you. We praise you, God, for your goodness to us. Lord, tonight, even as we read uh, again, remembering, rehearsing, dwelling on, meditating upon the fact, Lord, of what you did for us, leaving the glories of heaven, taking on the form of your own creation. You became a part of your own creation. blows my mind. Born in a lowly manger, born of just a, a, a regular girl in an inconspicuous town in the middle of nowhere. Not born a king on this earth. Just humble. And you lived a humble life and a sinless life. And Lord, you went to that cross and you took our sin and you died in our place and you rose again. And Father, you did all these things because of your great love for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you, God, for the plan that you had and that you and the Holy Spirit of God and the Son of God together, the plan you had to redeem us. We thank you for that, Lord. and We worship you as our God, as our Creator, as our Lord. Lord, I pray you'll watch over us tonight. Give everyone safety going home. And again, Lord, help us to be a blessing to someone this week. Help us to share our faith with someone this week. Help us to come out of our shells and not be concerned with us, but to be concerned with them. And where they're going to spend eternity. Lord, bless us now and uh, dismiss us into your care. In Jesus' name, amen.